missed you, friends. It's been a little while. It's been a little while. You know, the end of the year is typically a crazy time for everybody. I know. And when you have a pandemic year, it is so far beyond crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even when you would have a regular schedule and do things on, you know, with routine, sometimes things just get in the way. I know. Then you had to go have all these other kind of issues. So I know. They Nearly dying and mm -hmm. just... But that wasn't exactly part of my plan for the fall. No, I, I think that we're getting used to doing things that aren't in the plan. Yep, we've all become improvisers, right? We kind of flexible. navigate. Flexible. <laughs> yeah, so flexible. My The back of my head's touching the back of my feet. This is just how we have to operate. <laughs> Actually, I'm not that flexible. I have to go back to the hospital if I do something like that. But I'm just saying, look, the world is crazy mm -hmm. and it's out of control but we have to remember that when the world is out of control god is still in control yeah man right faith is stronger than politics mm -hmm. truth is stronger than politics well, god who created the system of government is stronger than politics people have to remember that we we kind of forget god created government he created systems of authority and he's stronger than these crazy politics so we have to keep things in mind politics are not our salvation people nope and they're obviously not going to save us from illness they're not going to save <laughs> us from duress nope they're not going to save us from changes in our lives nope there's only one thing that's going to keep us steady and that's that's god he is the constant when everything else is always like fluctuating like crazy he is the constant so we have to keep that in mind yep. and so you know as husband and wife we you know we know about the daily crazy stuff of life right. Right. and like homeschooling and we have to keep in uh, mind that there is a constant out there there is a constant and christ <laughs> is the constant in his here. truth is always the truth he's always steady he never gets shaken yeah and we do in fact, actually, just reading a, an amazing verse about being shaken, and, and it just it reminds me of that that time when we were being sued by the NAACP and that song by what is it, Building Four Twenty Nine? Yeah, you know, I will not be shaken. Oh right. my gosh! It must... Yeah, it probably came from this verse, Hebrews twelve twenty eight twenty nine is what I was reading to earlier. It says, "Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, hmm." The kingdom that we're receiving cannot be shaken. How good is that? Let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. There is nothing that shakes him. And our inheritance is to be part of a kingdom, to be co-heirs with Christ right. reigning in a kingdom where he will never be shaken. Things in that kingdom will never be shaken. Come on. So right now we're seeing that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Every last part of it. We are really being tested from all different sides. And at the end of the day, we need to be thankful, which is awesome because we're in a month where that's where we should be concentrating on being thankful. And it says, be thankful because you get to take part in a kingdom that will never be shaken. Yeah. I and that just, that. it doesn't, that just sound so good in, in a time when we feel like externally we are being shook. Shook up. Shook up. <laughs> it's true. But you know what I love you touched on? You touched on being co-heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. You touched on inheritance. Yes. And this month, November, is yes. National Adoption Month. Yes. 
And we are slightly partial to adoption here at the Radiance Foundation. And we love talking about adoption. Of course, we're adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. That explains it. I'm an adoptee. Mm -hmm. And we love what adoption does. In fact, I was recently on Fox Soul, which is a very interesting network. It's created by you know Fox TV Network. Yeah. And I was on the late night show, Tammy Mack. And we were talking about adoption. Yeah. There were four panelists. And, you know, as, as crazy as some of the shows can be on uh, that network, I love the fact that Tammy Mack respects everybody who who's on her show. She does. She, mm-hmm. you know, she may not agree with you, but she complete unlike any other late night t- talk show host, she completely respects everybody, allows everybody to speak. And it's it's an interesting interesting experience but yeah. i i love that i was able to talk about adoption and foster care and what was interesting the first panelist started off saying that the kids are in foster care particularly black children are in foster care because of drum roll please <laughs> white supremacy <sighs> deep sigh i know i was like well oh, we're, we're starting it that way okay so my response was well okay hold on let me understand this the foster care system which is comprised mostly of white children. 46% of children in the foster care system are white. So are they there because of white supremacy? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Doesn't. It doesn't. But this is this is why it's so important for us to understand the context of things. Uh, you know, 21% of children in the foster care system are black. Hmm. And yes, it is disproportionate to the percentage in the population. Yes. But 18% of children who are adopted are black and that mm. almost matches the number that that are in the system 50% of children who are adopted are white mm. um and 20% of hispanic children who are in the system 20% are adopted so it it closely matches the reason why actually less black children are adopted is because of kinship care right and that actually is because of a certain form of supremacy but it's not white supremacy it's because there are those who don't believe black children should ever be adopted by white people Ever. Right. And so just to clarify, kinship care really means that if a child is in the foster care system, they will go to the nearest of kin. Right. Regardless of the situation that that kin is in. Right. <laughs> just regardless of their their ability to provide, their ability to help that child be more successful, because they're saying that the bloodline trumps the ability to uh, be in a family that is set up for success. Right. And then that family could be a white family, could be a mixed family, could be a black family. But they, the issue is, and, and I understand this, they want to keep that child in the family. And I understand right. that. And, it's and that not is a laudable goal. A bad thing. And there are a lot of folks who are caring for their quote unquote kin. It's such a right. funny word. It's not natural, but because we don't use it in day to day chatting, but there are a lot that are doing it and doing it well. Right. But there are mm, unfortunately mm-hmm. more situations where there's failure. That's why the, the government accountability office attributed kinship care as the largest reason for the failure of black children to be able to be adopted as quickly because they return back to the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about the the whole accusation of white supremacy, it's like you're, you're negating the reality that the reason why children go into the foster care, care system through no fault of their own is because of abuse and neglect. Right. And so you want to talk about supremacy. Yeah, there's a certain kind of supremacy. It's ideological supremacy that believes that somehow the government is a better substitute right. for fathers. Or, yeah. is, or is a substitute for fathers. There is a fatherlessness epidemic. And so when you have fathers who leave the home, 
you have vulnerable families. Children mm-hmm. who grow up without a father in the home are five times more likely to, mm. to live in poverty. Wow. And so poverty is the leading cause of children uh, going into the foster care system because the abuse and the neglect tend to follow that. And so the, the other fact that if I wasn't so exhausted that night because it was a midnight show, <laughs> I would have gone into some of these things. But children who grow up in single female-led homes... Mm-hmm. are eight to 10 times more likely to be abused or neglected than children who grow up in a married intact home with a mother mm. and a father. So don't blame white supremacy. There are personal decisions that are made. There are, there are circumstances. Yes, there are, there are some historical circumstances that, that contribute, but in large part to just blame white supremacy, it doesn't get to the heart of the issue, particularly when you talk about fatherlessness. You can't blame fatherlessness on white supremacy, but you can blame it on political supremacy. Right. Embracing an, an ideology, a political ideology that is so destructive on so many levels. So mm. there, there's just so much that when we talk about adoption, we talk about foster care, there's so much to dig into. And one of the resources we have is adoptedandloved.com mm-hmm. where we have lots of memes, we have fact sheets, we have articles, we have videos, we have some of our previous podcasts mm-hmm. about adoption. Definitely check it out, adoptedandloved.com. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because you just recently spoke at an mm-hmm. adoption conference mm-hmm. with our friend Callie Jett. And Shout out. let's, mm-hmm. yes, let's talk about adoption. But one of the radio show hosts who was a panelist on this show that I was on in Fox Soul, mm-hmm. Jasmine Sanders, talked about her trauma. Now, her adoption experience wasn't the same as mine. The majority of adoption mm-hmm. experiences are very positive. In fact, 90% of adopted children have a positive view mm-hmm. about a positive view and feelings about their adoption. Where did you get that stat? This is from the CD. Department of, of Health oh, and Human okay. Services. In fact, it's on mm-hmm. one of our our fact sheets uh, called Adoption Mythbusters. Right. 81% of adoptive parents report having a warm and very close relationship with their children. So that's the majority. But that that does not negate those who don't have the positive experience. And Jasmine mm-hmm. was one of those. And so she was kind of defining her life by the trauma. Right. And I find that there is this movement that kind of wants to center everything mm-hmm. on trauma. And I'm not negating that there is trauma. I have 12 other siblings, nine other siblings in my family were adopted and adopted out of really horrific circumstances. I'm not negating the trauma at all. But there are times when I feel like there's almost such a focus on trauma that we don't realize that there's also transformation. Yeah, that's true. And the reality is that something has broken down somewhere in a system which opened up the door for there to be a need for redemption. God in his, in his awesomeness really created a system where adoption allows repairing of brokenness. Yes. So we're not saying that there's not brokenness and we're not negating the fact that adoption, when you walk through adoptions, that there are many issues that people are going to have to deal with. I always laugh because <laughs> I have biological kids that I have to walk through things with. So trauma is 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 part of life. But God transforms and he never gets tired of transforming. And yes, we're broken, but we don't have to remain in a broken place. And we also have to be careful that when we acknowledge things that have created brokenness in our own lives, um, that that isn't a place where we want to camp out and stay and 
you know, find our identity in the brokenness. We find our identity when we understand brokenness and we realize that we are more than overcomers through Jesus Christ. And as we invite him into those different areas, he transforms us. We become new creatures, new creations. Second Corinthians 5, 17, we all know that. It says, therefore, yes. if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. And a lot of therapies want us to stay in a place of trauma. Yeah. They talk about the trauma. They camp out around the trauma. They build houses around the trauma, right? They say, okay, let's talk and let's do an hour session and let's just keep talking about the trauma. And actually what happens psychologically is that we continually re-traumatize ourselves because we relive the trauma. But the Holy Spirit says, don't camp out there. Understand what you've walked through. Allow that to frame why you are where you are right now, but don't stop. Take the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of who you were created to be and how that brokenness has been prepared and move forward. Right. He's the God of perpetual forward motion. He never stops allowing us to move forward. And I think a lot of times when we camp out at the trauma, we stop moving forward and we don't ever want that to happen. Yeah. It just reminds me of a song I listened to years and years ago as a kid it's from uh, bb and cc winans yeah and the the part of the song said it know that i am god and i'm able to change your nature wow and that song has never left my mind because if we don't believe that god can change our nature mm-hmm. that there cannot if we don't believe that there is healing right you know the song healing in his wings healing in his voice healing in his in his word if we don't believe that mm-hmm. then we are prone to staying in that place. I could have stayed in that place of brokenness all of my life, but we have to make choices that, you know what, this was my past and it certainly is part of, of who I was, but this is who I am. And that for me, and looking at so many people who have overcome just the seemingly insurmountable, the impossible whether you're talking about drug addiction or or someone who who was in sex trafficking, yeah, a victim of sex trafficking, and they talk about their transformation. I mean, it, it is it is an ongoing process, yeah. but there's a lot of talk in adoption circles about trauma, 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 and it really concerns me because we have to believe that there is a a transitional sort of thing that happens and a transformational sort of thing that happens. Yes. And when we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, which talks about becoming a new creation in Christ, only a few verses later, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So he makes us new people so that we can keep moving forward and represent him. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's like, look, I want to change you and make you whole because I love you so much that even though you've walked through things and you've experienced trauma, when I make you whole, I want you to still be my ambassador. I still, I want you, I've chosen you to be my representative. Right. I mean, he chose Paul. He chose Paul, who was a murderous freak. I mean, here he transformed someone who could have lived in the trauma of all the pain that he caused other people, right. but instead became such a powerful apostle, right. became a servant of God because he embraced 
that transformation. God can transform anybody. Hey, when we come yeah. back, we're going to talk about being thankful. Mm-hmm. More than ever, we need these these holidays yep. to inspire love, joy, and peace. So yeah. we got it. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Life has purpose. The Radiance Foundation illuminates that every human life has purpose. We educate hundreds of thousands about crucial social issues, and we motivate people to positive action. Truth won't take a vacation. That's why we need your generous donation. Tax deductible, stuff is acceptable. Your gifts make illumination possible. Truth won't take a vacation. And here's our little explanation. Defending human dignity never ends. That's why we depend on you, my friend. Go to radiance.life slash donate to make your tax-deductible donation. Thank you for supporting our life-affirming work. My name is Justice Bomberger, and I'm thankful for my family. My name is Aaliyah Bomberger, and I'm thankful for my friends. I'm Makai Bomberger, and I'm thankful for the freedom of religion. My name is Radiance Bomberger, and I'm thankful for all the promises God has kept. Hey, welcome back, friends. You know, when we left you right before that little break, that little uh, that awesome break. Oh, uh, those kids are so adorable. <laughs> Whose kids are they? That's awesome. We do everything in house. When we talk about doing things in house, we literally are doing, doing. things in house. <laughs> just so you, just so you know. Someday we'll look back and we'll laugh about how much was accomplished at this location. People just don't know. Yeah, but we were talking about trauma. We were talking about walking through trauma. We were talking about, you know, honestly, when we think of 2020, I think a lot of people are going to think trauma. The year of trauma. Yeah, so it's synonymous with the word trauma. But there is a way out of feeling as though you're in trauma all the time. And the Bible tells us, and not just the Bible, but psychologists reiterate this, that one way to walk out of trauma is to have an attitude of gratitude. Mm, that sounds like something that a parent tells a child just so the child shuts up. I know, but but the reality <laughs> is that gratitude actually changes your brain, honey. Mm. It like changes your body and it does this for the better. It's awesome. It is amazing that God created, you know, there's the verse that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will mm-hmm. enter his courts with praise, right? The way to get into a place where we're abiding in the presence, how do we get there? He tells us, have an attitude of gratitude in the midst of all the crazy. When you realize that what happens in your body when you are thankful, it actually improves your physical health. People who practice being thankful have really live longer, have less aches and pains, and and report feeling healthier than people who tend to be miserable and tend to complain about everything. It actually, um, when you are thankful, there is a reduction in toxic emotions. Envy, resentment, 
can't reside where there's thankfulness. So you mean to tell me that God knew what he was talking about in his word? Is, that, is it funny? <laughs> like we, we talk about it because it does sound like a soundbite, have an attitude of gratitude. But he was like, look, I created your body. I created your system. Right. And when it says that he's our wonderful counselor, he's taking us from one place to another by literally changing the chemical makeup of our brain. And how do we do that? By practicing thankfulness. Well, um, Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for you. (gasps) Hashtag heart melting. (laughs) It's true. I I, I cannot imagine life without you. I know. And I think back to all that we've been able to accomplish together. Oh, my gosh. And it's far more than what I ever could have accomplished alone. I'm just saying that's God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing when he's weaving together things, weaving together people, weaving together situations. And, you know... I remember when we first started the Radiance Foundation, we wanted to talk about one of our foundational issues, which is adoption, of course. And right. we, we had a campaign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? It, our campaign, which was thanks for the number four, right. giving life. Thanks for giving me life. That took us up like the East Coast. We went to oh, a yeah. few different churches. Right, our small, <laughs> a small mini tour of churches. Oh, but hold on, in a, <laughs> oh, no. in a minivan, <laughs> and see, minivans are not made for normal sized people. Well, normal sized people who are <laughs> trying to stay in the van while oh changing gosh. diapers. My back was killing me. I mean, you couldn't stand up. And then, you know, you had kids, two kids in diapers who are apparently their bladders and whatever else <laughs> were not synchronized. It was freezing. Do you remember that? It was I do. Freezing. And I do remember that we had all of the things that we Dying. needed to set up a small exhibit booth that included a Christmas tree <laughs> oh with God. ornaments that we had Charlie made. Brown. Wah, wah, wah. It was. <laughs> We had pack and plays. We had mm. bought the that thing that goes on top of the van from our neighbor. Yeah. That black sports cargo thing. That, cargo. We had invested Jeez. in a roof rack so that we could put things up there. Oh my gosh. We I, were I mean, we had pack and plays and strollers and suitcases and clothing because of course we're doing this mini tour, so you have to look put together when you're when you're when you're don't speaking. ever pull the curtain and see the uh, behind the scenes oh my gosh it okay, was crazy was, but that was such an yeah. amazing just start that was actually our first campaign for the radiance foundation yes you're right it was 2009 you're right it was our first campaign because it's always been our heart to talk about the gift of life you know and always been our heart to say thank you for giving me life yeah and i i remember that we were on that small mini tour of churches and we ended at your family's longtime church and you were able to share your family's incredible story of adoption yeah it was the first time actually i was able to as far as representing the radiance foundation be able to share my story and have my family sitting right. there in the audience which was really neat and longtime friends people who had grown up we'd grown up with who actually didn't know much of the story hmm. uh, of the Bomberger family and an adoption interesting so, yeah. yeah so when you think of that phrase thanks for giving me life I'm gonna throw the ball back into <laughs> your court what does that mean to you wow well first I think of the creator of life of God who who gave me life that gives each and every one of us life I wasn't humanly planned at all, mm-hmm. but there was a divine plan in my existence in this world. Amen. You know, I think of my birth mom. I think of 
the horrific experience she had to go through as a victim of rape. As someone in the military, she, she could have chosen to get what they called at the time uh, a therapeutic abortion. That was actually allowable during that year's time that she was pregnant with me. But she didn't choose that. She did courageously choose life and gave me the gift of adoption. So thanks for giving me life as far as the human side of things starts with her. Mm. It really does. And then, of course, you know, thanks for giving me life. It wasn't just that she gave me this gift of adoption and my parents are like, hey, we're good. <laughs> no, mm. they're the pro-lifers who care about children after they're born. Mm-hmm. And they they loved me through all these years and, and nurtured me and and instilled in me this incredible faith in God. Mm. Um, their love for Jesus, and that's why I am who I am. So thanks for giving me life. Yeah, my yeah. birth mom. Thank you for being birth mom strong. I know mm-hmm. so many birth parents are forgotten mm-hmm. when we talk about adoption, but mm-hmm. I'll never forget my birth mom. I've never met her. Just so you know, listeners who are who are tuned in right now, I've never met her, mm-hmm. but I I pray I pray to God that one day I will be able to just meet her face to face. I meet a lot of birth moms in events that we mm-hmm, we do. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really hard. Mm-hmm. I, there's there have been several that that stand out to me where there were birth moms who would be about the age of my birth mm-hmm. mother, mm-hmm. and you know they just they reached out and they've hugged me after hearing my presentation, and it's almost like. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember several times there have been birth moms who say, "Do you mind if I just kind of stand in mm-hmm. for your birth mom?" So. Thanks for giving me life. It has so many, uh, just so many powerful elements to it. But I I, I thank God for my life. I thank my birth mom. I thank my parents. Mm -hmm. And not only that, girl, you give me life. (laughs) Every day. It's just, you make me more than one I ever thought I could be. But you make me more in so many different ways. You definitely make me better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes... You know, I, I might resist. Hashtag <laughs> resist. <laughs> but hashtag eventually listen to your wife. If only, okay. if only I wouldn't have been in that. Well, I wouldn't have been in several situations with my health. It's okay. Husbands, this is a public service announcement. <laughs> when your wife is speaking and she's speaking some truth, <laughs> well, I just want to say, <laughs> where's my hanky? <laughs> I'm serious. Listen, and because she has your best interest at heart, unless your relationship is really bad and she hates you, but that's a whole other issue, and we'll have that counseling issue in show number 21. Maybe. But, you know, I think about your birth mom, and she didn't know at the time, but she was giving you to me. You were the gift that I needed. Babe, I need you. And uh, this is really what adoption does. It gives a gift we didn't know how deeply we needed. And so many times people say, oh, great, you guys are adoptive parents. You, you've you really rescued, you know, I'm sure that child is so grateful. And we go, what? We're better people. Yes. We're better people for walking through each of these situations. Yeah. There's so much fruit and so much beauty that comes from courageous choices. Yes. And it's not just the courage of the birth mom. It's also the courage of a family walking into the unknown. Yeah. 
Yes. You know, and I want to refer back to a remark you made earlier about biological children. We don't know what's going to happen with our own biological children. I think some people right. talk about when we when they hear about the unknown of adoption, life is unknown. But there's yeah. something so courageous about saying, I'm going to love you, you know, even if it's a newborn child. I was I was adopted or, or not adopted, but I brought into the family at six weeks of age and then adopted about a year later. Hmm. But even with foster children teens you don't know and fully understand that background you don't know what their trajectory is but you god placed you there yes. to change that trajectory yeah and that's actually why there's i believe so much warfare when it comes to adoption because you touched on this earlier so i'm just going to give like a second of of returning back to the fact that we have the potential to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So there is so much warfare tied yes. to adoption because there's an enemy that will never have that opportunity. Right. And so he lives his life with the, the a heart to destroy, to steal, to erase right. the identity of Jesus Christ in each of us. Right. And as we walk through the joys and the struggles of adoption and the things that are difficult and the things that are wonderful, what we're doing is we're winning the battle over the enemy and we're actually placing ourselves into um, a position to speak into the soul of another human and prayerfully open up opportunities for them to invite Jesus into their heart so that they can be a co-heir and they can actually, you know, find and feel the benefits of the inheritance that they have here on earth and in the years to come yeah and in for all of eternity right i just want to remind people too that adoption is the essence of salvation ephesians 1 5 he predestined yes. us to you know sonship through jesus christ through adoption yeah. this is how we become part of the family of god and this is critical for christians to understand that this this adoption god created in the supernatural for us to model in the natural yeah and yep. this is what happens and i and and, and it takes what was broken right and brings transformation so that there can be breakthrough mm. i thank god that i i never would have thought that my life would have been centered around me being able to share my story of adoption my my story of brokenness my story of being supposedly unwanted right. and conveying that to people in these you know massive events Right. And in way and touching people in ways I never would expect. I wouldn't expect gang members, former gang members, to come up and mm. be crying because my story touched them. I would think, well, I obviously was never in a gang. I mean, but who knows me? I never grew up that way. Although, you know, when you have a family of thirteen kids, there is the natural formation of gangs, and typically it was a you know twelve kids against me. Hmm. I'm still healing from that. <laughs> but anyway, you never know how God's going to use that that stuff, that vulnerability. And it's really a powerful thing. I, I love as adoptive parents and as an adoptee, we're able to kind of see this this full circle sort of thing. Uh, when it comes to adoption, I just want to throw out these numbers just so people yes. understand. Uh, we're looking at 2014 was the latest year where we see total national adoption numbers and it's 110,373 adoptions. Now you compare that in that same year in 2014 there were over 926,000 mm. abortions. Come on America. That's one adopted for every 9 aborted. That that is so far beyond as Christians so far it beyond shouldn't tragic. be okay. 
No, not at all. We don't have the luxury of sitting back, hearing that stat and being like, mm, that's too bad. No. My heart's pricked. Yeah. We should be moved. We should be stirred. There should be inner turmoil. Why should any child, for instance, ever age out of the foster care system? That should never happen. There are yeah. over 16,000 precious teenagers who age out of the foster care system and yeah. never, oh my gosh, this breaks my heart, who never have the opportunity to call somebody mom or dad. It's, this should not happen. And and the other thing I just want to talk about these numbers, because I'm a factivist and I love these numbers and I love the personal stories too, but there is no there is no national federal database of mm-hmm. numbers for adoption. In fact, that was done away with back in 1992. There was the federal government had the National Center for Social Statistics, but they wiped that out. And so we don't even know uh, you said adoption, but they don't they actually there's no federal law mandating abortion reporting. Right, so either. neither Right, both sides of this. How crazy is that? So we don't know how many children are being saved and rescued through yeah. adoption, and we don't know how many children, I hate to even say, how many children are killed through abortion because there's no federal mandate. We, right. we have to do better than this. Right. You know and, what I mean? And it's enough to know that over 926,000 abortions in 2014 without there being that federal mandate for abortion centers to only voluntarily have to give their numbers. It just goes to show to me the point is that that number is probably lower than actual stats. Right. And yet, even if our adoption number is somewhere in the ballpark, regardless of how you look at it, regardless of the reporting, there there is an absolute chasm between the two that shouldn't be it shouldn't be and the, where we get the numbers the 110,373 adoptions in 2014 it's actually from the national adoption council okay. which is adoptioncouncil.org mm-hmm. and they do these studies every few years to pull together stats from all these different sources right. uh, in fact we'll link to the national adoption council's uh, 2014 report in the show number 17 block at lifehaspurpose.com that's good you know at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day there really are so many things to be thankful for. Yes. And ultimately, adoption is something huge to be thankful for in our house. Yes. With two of our four kiddos adopted. Wow. Both adoptions happened on 7 11 11. So gosh. we never forget that date. Never. My sister in law always says 7 11 11, a date from heaven. And she's right. We love you, Jax. Yeah, we love you, Jax. Shout out. In the Fulton County Courthouse, um, when we lived down there in downtown, when we lived in Atlanta, um, we... I, I know that you've heard us say this before. At 10 a.m., we finalized one adoption upstairs, then moved to a different floor at 2 p.m. to finalize the second adoption. Both were just um, the fruition of a very long journey. And every day of our life, we are grateful for God who stepped in and in the natural just showed himself in each of these situations. And we're so full of thankfulness to a God who steps in in the supernatural in our own life and adopts us. And adoption means to choose for oneself freely. So when you were talking about the verse in Ephesians, when he uses the word adoption, Paul does to talk about our relationship. It's because we have a God who chooses for himself, me and you. Deuteronomy 7, 7 says he set his affection upon us. Yes. 
And so we are so thankful that in a world that's really going to hell, that we have a savior that pursues us and that loves us and, and never gets tired of that. Life has purpose. Hi, I'm Justice. I'm Justice too. Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm pro-life because every life has a reason. I'm pro-life because everybody is wonderfully made. I'm pro-life because God made us special. Woohoo! Yeah! Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Pro Life Kids.com! Every week, Ryan's articles appear on various news outlets. Each week, we'll feature one of his latest commentaries. It's time for some fearless factivism. Adopted and Loved. November is National Adoption Month, but what is adoption? We often hear about it, particularly as one of two alternatives to the injustice of abortion. Millions of us are the recipients of this incredible gift where our birth parents or birth parent turned the unplanned into a loving plan. Yet there are still so many misconceptions about it. I was adopted as a baby, united with my family when I was six weeks old. Nine of my other 12 siblings were adopted as newborns, as toddlers, and as teens out of the foster care system. Adoption happens because of brokenness. In the natural and the supernatural, this courageous act of love and selfishness helps to bring healing, hope, and wholeness. It was God's plan to reconcile us to himself, as evidenced in Ephesians 1, 4-5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, or daughtership, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. There is no salvation without adoption. None. So Christians especially should understand adoption in a deeply spiritual and personal way. Adoption is the essence of salvation. In the natural, we shouldn't think of it as a last resort. Sometimes it should be the first resort. But the way we understand adoption skews the way we apply it in our society. Perhaps it explains why there were only 110,373 adoptions in 2014, the latest year reported on page 37 by the National Council for Adoption, or NCFA. Yet 926,200 abortions that same year. Total adoption numbers reached their apex in 1970, pre-Roe, where there were 175,000 adoptions. Since then, adoption numbers have never risen to that level. In 2007, there were 133,737 adoptions. Over the course of seven years, they've tragically plummeted by over 23,000. Part of the decline is due to a reduction in international adoptions, but the fact remains that over 862,000 abortions were committed in 2017. You cannot adopt those who are aborted. The most recent foster care stats revealed that out of the 122,000 foster children available for adoption in September 29, there were about 66,000 adopted. By the end of the year, there were still over 71,000 precious, vulnerable children waiting to be adopted out of the foster care system. As a nation, we must do better. So much better. No child should languish in foster care. No mother should feel that the violence of abortion is even an option. Our pregnancy centers and all of the incredible frontline work they do to protect mothers, fathers, and their children aren't enough to create a culture that values life and encourages adoption. 
Our churches must do a better job leading in the defense of life at its most vulnerable in what the book of James declares as pure religion, which is, quote, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, end quote. Although the United States is not engaged in a militaristic war within our borders, we have a cultural and spiritual war that has caused more casualties than all of our military wars combined. There have been over 62 million, 62 million killed since abortion was legalized in this country. Roe v. Wade never empowered women. It empowers men to have sex and run. This has led to a massive culture of abandonment where women are effectively left behind as widows and children in the womb are orphaned by both the absent father and the mother who has chosen to give in to the distress caused by pro-abortion propaganda. The pollution of this world is the warped belief system that others, not the author of life, can determine your worth. We allow our minds and hearts to be polluted by the lie that we aren't created with purpose and that we can't be stronger than our circumstances. I don't know about you, but I serve the God of the impossible. I'm living proof of the impossible becoming possible. My birth mom was raped, yet bravely rejected the violence of abortion, choosing life and adoption instead. Philippians 4.13 proclaims, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, the same Christ who was humanly unplanned. In fact, I was recently struck as I read Matthew 1, 1 through 16 about the birth of Christ. I've read this so many times throughout my life, but something profound happened to me this time. It's not Mary's genealogy that is detailed in the opening chapter. It is the genealogy of the man who would become Jesus's adoptive father, Joseph. Christ's lineage was drawn from a man who was not genetically tied to him at all. The paradigm of adoption was revealed in a courageous teen mother with a humanly unplanned pregnancy, certainly divinely planned, who braved a crazed king trying to kill her child, a father who chose to love rather than to leave, and a savior who would sacrifice himself in order to offer redemption, adoption, and transformation to those who confess and believe. Adoption is courageous and messy and joyful and mysterious and loving. We need to uplift all of those in this beautiful triad, the birth mom, birth dad, the adoptee, and the adoptive family. No one's pretending it's easy. Parenting biological children isn't easy, unless I missed the memo that genetically related children present no problems in life. I loved my adoption journey, as do the majority of adoptees. I'm loved just as much as my parents' first three homemade children. I love being an adoptive father. Out of my four children, two were also adopted, and all four of my kiddos are loved like crazy. Yes, I'm using the word love a lot. No other word suffices. Adoption doesn't just change the child. It changes the family, the community, and sometimes the world. Look at the late CEO of Apple, Steve Jobs. He was adopted and loved too, and he inarguably changed the world. This November and every month, this November and every month, may we rethink false narratives on adoption. May we look at this act for what it is, transformative love. I'm a firm believer that there's always a plan in the unplanned. What we don't see from a human perspective, God knows from a divine perspective. 
we're meant to be, regardless of the circumstances of our conception, regardless of our real or perceived abilities or disabilities, regardless of what others think we contribute to this world. We have equal and irrevocable worth simply because we exist. And adoption is a powerful and culture-changing way to unleash that God-given purpose. Bomberger, and you're listening to the Life Has Purpose podcast. You can find this op-ed at radiance.life slash adopted and loved. And you can read more of our op-eds at radiance.life slash news. I know there are so many stories in your heart of thankfulness, you know? Yeah. There are so many things. And, and sometimes we, we don't need tragedy to bring out those stories of thankfulness. We can think of 2020 and we, we talk about the trauma and sometimes we joke about how this crazy roller coaster ride that 2020 has been. But you know what? There have been a lot of moments of our humanity rising above, of yes. meeting crazy challenges, of the most beautiful parts of our humanity coming out. I yes. know it's easy to focus on the negative, crazy stuff that's that's happened, but there have been many beautiful moments. Yeah. And so beyond 2020, we want to invite you know you to tell us your stories give us some stories of why you're thankful we would love to share those stories yeah, we would love to hear them on the they next encourage show. us yeah and we love to have the opportunity to go through those stories pick a couple to share with with our life has purpose audience because this is what we need we need to encourage each other yeah. And what's good and what is right in a time where the culture is crooked and perverse. Right. And that's why we are so excited about our end of the year campaign. Yay. Um, my, my, my Bethany, my beautiful <laughs> Bethany, came up with this idea. I love this. It's, it's actually called A Thrill of Hope. And obviously it's from that song, Oh yeah, Holy, Holy Night. Yeah. And it's and it's exactly what we need because we need this thrill of hope. And I'm going to capitalize that H because that hope is is Christ. Yes. Uh, and a weary world rejoices. But there was a part of that mm. song that you brought up, babe, that hit us differently. You know, yeah. you said, um, till he appeared and the, the soul, soul felt, felt its, its worth. worth. Oh, my word. I, I never... Yeah. I never read it that way. The way that you just brought it out, the soul felt its worth when he appeared. Yeah. Shoot. See, our worth is in, in, in nothing temporal here, people. Yeah. Isn't a God who created us, who loves us, who knows our intrinsic and inherent worth, our irrevocable yeah. worth. But wow, we feel that's why when God's presence, when you're worshiping and God's presence comes into that room, there is a mm. there is such a different perspective on things. You know that song when he walks into the room everything, everything changes? changes. Oh my word. Yeah. So thrill of hope. That's going to be our end of the year campaign. Yeah, so I love it. Share your stories of hope with us. What what's a story of overcoming this past year? We want to hear. We want to celebrate with you. We want to have a praise party this week. Our Thanksgiving is just going to be full of times to remembering how thankful, you know, it was significant that there were memorial stones that the Israelites were, were taken from one place to another, yeah. right? All throughout the Bible, we see places where there was established memorial stones so that whenever people walked by those areas, that it would never be forgotten the goodness of the Lord. So send some of your memorial stones yes. our way. You Go to lifeaspurpose.com. Yep. And just fill out the feedback form. We would love to share some of the stories in the next yeah. show. So yeah. until then, 
Till then. From our family to yours. Thank you. From the Radiance Foundation to every listener. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yes. And may the God who supplies all of our needs mm. richly bless you this holiday season. Much love. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Go to lifehaspurpose.com and give us your feedback. You can also listen and download our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Remember, whatever may come your way. And no matter what people say, your your life life has has purpose. purpose.